0: Welcome, everyone, uh, to Mosaic for our our worship together. If you're here for the first time, or if this is your first time back to church, uh, first time in a long time, a special welcome and a welcome back uh, to you. It's so great to worship with all of you. Uh, Today, our scripture comes from the Psalms, and so we're going to read from Psalm 100 and Psalm 150. Okay, first, um, the word of the Lord comes from Psalm 100, and we're going to read the first three verses (coughs) of this psalm. Please give your attention to God's word. It's living and active. It's what we need. It's what we thirst for. Uh, Psalm 100 says this. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We're his people and the sheep of his pasture. I'm going to read the last psalm of the book of Psalms in in its entirety. The six verses, Psalm 150, it says this. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with loop and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with string and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Praise Him, everything that has breath. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This is the Word of God. Uh, Today we get to close out our very short three-part series called Church Reclaimed. We've been talking about how in the pandemic we've lost our sense of church and who we are as the church, and we're discovering reclaiming who we are as the church again. And today we get to close it out with the last thing that we're reclaiming as a body of Christ. Worship. Worship. Whenever you read a philosophy or an approach to life, you should ask, what's the end goal um, that they're going for? What's the, the last, uh, kind of the, the picture on the box? I kind of think of putting something together from Ikea, and the thing that helps me is to look at the box, uh, because that's gonna be the finished product, the end goal of what I'm working for here as I'm putting this thing together. And in any philosophy, I think it's helpful, whether it's Kierkegaard or Kant or someone uh, more contemporary to ask, I know you're telling me all these things, but what's the end goal here? What are we shooting for? And we should also ask Christianity as a philosophy as well. Christianity, what's the end goal? What's the the target here at the very end? And as we're coming out of our summer series about the gospel, you might be thinking, well, the point is the gospel. But actually the point, the end goal is not the gospel. The gospel is the means by which we get to the end. It's the center of everything because without the gospel, we can't get to the end. But it's not the end. The gospel is the means and not the ends. And so what's the ends? Everything culminates in the Christian life in worship. Worship. And I feel um, a special burden today. I feel the limits of my abilities as a preacher to try to communicate to you the vastness of this topic of worship. But John Frame, he says this um, in his theology. He says, redemption is the means. Worship is the goal. In one sense, worship is the whole point of everything. It's the purpose of history, the goal of the whole Christian story. And when we meet together as a church, our time of worship is not merely a preliminary to something else. Rather, it's the whole point of our existence as the body of Christ. Worship is what everything terminates in. And during the pandemic, many of us, we've lost our heart of worship. That means that we've lost the center of who we are as a worshiper. And today, what I'd like to show you is that when we reclaim worship, we not only reclaim the church, but we reclaim who we are as worshipers. You see, when we get worship back, when we get the heart of worship back, you don't just get back worship, but you get back you. Who you are at your core, you get to reclaim. And so today, as we look at these psalms, I want to look at three things. I want to look at the meaning of worship. What does does worship mean? Secondly, I want to look at our response. And finally, I want to look at reclaiming worship. So the meaning, the response, and and reclaiming worship. And again, I want to say that when we do this, we really do reclaim who we are as people, who we are at the core. Would you pray with me? Father, as we... Uh, get ready to delve into such a big topic what everything terminates in worship Father I I feel a nervousness because it's so grand it's everything that everything terminates and everything builds up to worship I pray help us to see what worship is the beauty of it the depth of it the, the need we have for it I pray that by doing this, Lord, that the point of this sermon is not for us to learn, but the point of this sermon is for us to finally come to a place of worship. Lord, I can't do that. We can't do that. Only you can. So bring us to worship. My Father, my God, help us to get there today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what's it mean? The meaning of worship. There are a lot of ways that we could approach this, but I want to take the most straightforward and simple approach is just to take the word worship and to pull it apart the word worship it comes from the word worth and so fundamentally what worship means is to acknowledge the worth of God and to respond to it to see the worth of God and to respond to the worth of God that's really at the core of what worship is and that's why um, the worship team helps you to do this the envir- worship environment helps you to do this. All of these things are helps. But fundamentally, what worship is, is for you to see the worth of God and to respond to the worth of God in worship. That's what worship is. And that's why when you look at the Bible, you see people like Isaiah and Ezekiel and Peter, they know God. They know God before. But then they have this moment where they actually see who he is and they actually see his worth. And at that moment, they fall down in worship. They transition from, yeah, I know God, to worshiping God. And I think that that's what we're trying to recover and reclaim as a church, right, in the time of pandemic. We all know God, but we're all looking to fall back down into worship. You think about Peter. If you ask Peter, Peter, do you know Jesus? And you say, of course, I live with the guy. But then they're out on a boat, and all of a sudden there's a storm, and all Peter can think about and see are the waves, the problems of his life. And Jesus wakes up from his nap, and Jesus calms the storm, and Peter sees that Jesus is not his roommate, but Jesus is the one who can calm the wind and the storm. The waves listen to him, and Peter at that moment falls on his face and worships Jesus. He goes from, I know him, to worship When we say we want to reclaim worship, we want to reclaim our understanding and seeing God as worthy again. That's who we are as a church. Reclaiming church means to reclaim our seeing God as worthy. And that's what our psalms here tell us to do. That's what it's calling us to do. Read Psalm 103 again. It says, know that the Lord, he is God. He's not talking to people who who's never heard of Yahweh. He's talking to people who know Yahweh. He's saying, know that he is God. It is he who made us. We are his, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Psalm 150 says, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens, praise him for his mighty deeds, praise him according to his excellent greatness. He's not talking to people who don't know God, but he's calling us to see his worth. Again, And brothers and sisters, that's who we are. That's what the the psalm here is reminding us. We are his people. We're the people on this earth who understand that and know that. And we're the people in this whole earth who see God as worthy and we respond to that. That's why you're here. That's why you're here. You see, Sunday morning, there are people who see the thing that's most worthy of their time and their effort and preparation is maybe Golf. And so people get up, and and they play golf, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. Golf is hard, and I'm trying to learn it, but it's difficult. But some people love it, and that's okay. Some people like to wake up early and prepare to go fishing. I never really understood it, but some people, if you know fishermen, they get up really early, and they have a lot of preparation. They have to clean the boat. They have to prepare all this stuff. And even after they catch a fish, they have to clean it, and it smells. But if you ask them, why do you do all this? They say, oh, it's worth it. I don't see that. But some people see the worth in that. You see, other people, what's worthy of their Sunday, what's worthy of their Sunday is their youth kids' sports. You know, the number one reason why Christians in America don't go to church is youth sports. Number one reason why Christians in America don't go to church is because their kids have soccer. They see that as worthy. But don't you see... Who is the church? The church are the people numbered in the earth who see the worth of Yahweh above all else. We're the people who see that Yahweh is worthy and that his, his worth is greater than weekend trips and even kids' sports. All those things are great, fine things. I enjoy those things. But we are the people who see that the weight of his glory and who he is is greater than anything else, and so we rise to praise on Sunday. That's who you are. And whenever someone sees the real worth of God, not only do they see it and acknowledge it, but if you see it truly, you respond. There's a response that's required to worship. The most uh, prominent word, the most common word in the New Testament for worship is the Greek word proskuneo. Proskuneo. And it helps you, if it helps you. It, uh, it, it, when I hear that word, it, I hear Prostrate proskuneo prostrate kind of sounds similar right Um, and that's exactly what it means it means to bow down that's the most prominent word in the New Testament for worship is to bow down it literally means to put your forehead on the floor in Matthew 2.11 it says that the wise men came and when they came to see Jesus they proskuneo at the Messiah they put their forehead on the ground before Jesus In Revelation, it says that the seraphim proskuneo at Yahweh, they prostrate themselves, seeing the worth of God. You see, what's interesting about the New Testament is that when someone sees the worth of God, they can't just say, yeah, I know he's worthy. Yeah, I know. They can't do that. They transition to a posture of worship. Their body does something. They respond bodily to the worth of God because we're interconnected people. When we really feel the worth of God, we can't just say, yeah, I know, I get it. Nobody worships like that. If it's worship, there's a bodily response to it. Proskuneo. It is to put your head on the ground. And I, I think that... We all feel that, and we understand that, that there must be some sort of response. And I'm not saying that there needs to be one particular kind of physical response. I think the beauty of the family of God that is that in the different families of the church, there are different responses. If you go to one family of the church, there's a lot of clapping and jubilation and dancing and singing. That's beautiful. In other families of the faith, they actually build in kneelers into the pews, Because bowing and kneeling and becoming prostrate is a part of their liturgy, and it's the way that they venerate God, they show reverence for God. I had a seminary professor who told me one time, he went to 10th Presbyterian Church, like an old, um, it's a very traditional Presbyterian church, beautiful church, a lot of wood and stuff like that. And they all praise holding hymnals. And um, they don't really move very much because they're holding hymnals, and this is how they praise God. And he would say that he would sit in the back and the pastor would always be in the front, you know, with the hymnal. And he said that he would know that his pastor is really into the worship when he would look forward. And the pastor uh, holding the hymnal would just do this. And he said, when when the pastor did that, everybody would say, oh, pastor's really into worship today. It's crazy, right? It's really, he's really into worship today. That's the way that he proskuneo. I'm not saying it has to look a certain way. But all of us, brothers and sisters, in whichever family of, the, of our faith that we are in, we must respond to the worth of God. That's worship. You must respond to his worth. Proskuneo. And the way that we most expressly manifest our worship is by singing together. That's the way that we most expressly manifest worship together. And you see it in the Psalms all the time. The Psalms are always inviting you to sing together, right? Read read the Psalms with me again. Psalm 100, verse 1 to 3 says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Can I just stay home? No, come. I have to drive there? Yes, come into his presence with singing. Psalm 150, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. You see, there's this invitation to continue to increase and amplify the singing of God's glory. Have you ever had Something great happened to you and you didn't know how to express it because you were so happy, but you, w- you weren't sure exactly what expression would actually show your gladness. That's kind of the feeling I get when I read these psalms, that the psalmist ha- is, is actually seeing the worth of God, but he understands that he by himself can't express what's in his heart. He actually needs other people to express his one heart's desire for God He can't do it by himself. So he's inviting people in. I can't do this by myself, guys. Sing with me, how great is our God. Sing with me, how great is our God. All will see how great, how great is our God. The name above all names, worthy of all praise. All will see how great is our God, but I need you to sing with me. I can't do it on my own. That's why the church has always engaged in communal singing together. Because there's no way one person can express the worth of God all by themselves. That's why we sing together. Communal singing. Worship God together. That's why it says, sing with me. Sing with the trumpet sound. Sing with all these instruments it names. And it reminds me of um, Luke 15 when the, the prodigal son comes home. And the father has been waiting on his son, the son that he thought might be dead was hoping that he was alive and when this son comes home the father brings him in and the emotion you see is bigger than just his hug and is bigger than just his words but he tells everybody go get the instruments go get go get the, the, the let's sing let's dance get the flutes get the lyre get the horns and you get the sense that the father it, it, he wants to express his gladness because of the worth of his son And he says, get the instruments out. Go kill the fattened calf. Kill the fattened calf? Yes, kill the fattened calf. Are you sure? Yes. Kill the fattened calf because my son was lost. He might have been dead, but he is found. He requires a communal response because he sees his son as worthy of it and he can't express it all by himself. He needs them. My brothers and sisters, we need each other. Reclaiming worship in the church means to recognize that worship is not an individual act, not even just an act with a family. But the heartbeat of praise in the Bible is for us to come together and sing with me. Look at Psalm 150 again. Praise the Lord in His sanctuary. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with lute and harp. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Praise Him with string and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Uh, praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise God. You have to join me. You have to join me in the praise. My brothers and sisters, that's what worship is. It's to see the worth of God and to attempt a response together at his greatness and his glory. Did you lose that in your pandemic Did you forget who you were as a church? We are the people of God who know that Yahweh is worthy of our praise. Where's your heart of worship? When we lose our heart of worship, it's because we've lost our sense of God's worth, of who He is in our life. Your heart of worship will tell you how big God is in your heart. But here's another principle that I'd love for you to walk away with today. Not only is worship shaped by your heart, but worship shapes your heart. You see, some of you are asking, I know that that's what worship is, and I want to do that, but I don't have a heart of worship, and I don't know what to do. And I don't know why I don't have a heart of worship. We need to learn today that if you lack a response to God's greatness, not only is the response coming from your heart, but responding with the people of God, that will shape your heart. That's why the longer you don't worship in spirit and truth, your heart of worship shrinks, doesn't it? And the more you are in worship communities of spirit and truth, the more your heart of worship grows. Not only does worship come out of the heart, but it affects the heart. It shapes your heart. Because whatever we worship, uh, whatever we deem worthy is what we worship. You might have been outside of worship for a long time and so you started worshiping something else. You know, we're all like that. Because we're created to worship, we have to worship something. Uh, When I was a kid, we used to play with these magnets and we used to build things out of these magnets. And my kids still have... These toys but they're better and newer now but you could take these magnet toys and you could stick them together and you could build something great like a tower but the trouble with these things is that if you build a tower with these magnet uh, toys and you accidentally bring another magnet close it, it pulls all the stuff out you go oh no the tower and it just pulls out because these magnets even though they look like they're perfectly neutral and stable they're not they're magnetically charged To grab onto something. And so even when you are looking at this tower that you built and you accidentally bring another magnet near, it pulls everything through. We're like that. Scripture tells us that we are charged to worship. And so when we are not in a place where we are worshiping God in spirit and truth, our hearts get pulled to worship something else. You don't stay neutral, but you get pulled to worship something else, and that's when our hearts go from a heart of worship to a deformed heart because whatever thing is pulling us is shaping our hearts. I wish I had time to go into how we see this in Isaiah. God is calling out the idols that have taken the hearts of his people captive. He says, why did you take their hearts when you're not even real gods? If you lack a heart of worship, brothers and sisters, it might be because you have started worshiping something else in your heart. What are you responding to? What's the thing that you're seeing worth in in your life and you're responding to it? That's what you worship. What is the thing that's so great and mighty in your life? Is it your career? Is it success? Is it just, honestly, it's just like material things that you secretly lust over. What is the, what is the thing that you, you've seen the worth over something and you respond to it with your heart? that has captured your heart of worship. To reclaim it, the way that you do it is that you come into the gathered assembly and you see the worth of God again. Gathered worship is given to us so it breaks the cycle of idolatry. It breaks the cycle of us being pulled into something else. When we come into gathered worship, we're reminded again, oh my gosh, here are a hundred people Singing about the greatness of God. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. All will see how great, how great is our God. The name above all names. And you are snapped into reality again. Oh yeah. God is worthy. It breaks the cycle. David Mathis from Desiring God, he wrote this. And he's talking about uh, the heart of worship and how our Sunday worship helps. But also he He quotes my favorite theologian, Luther. And even Luther confesses that he's lost the heart of worship sometimes. Let me read this for you. This is from an article in Desiring God. He says, Often we come into corporate worship feeling a sense of spiritual fog. Do you feel that sometimes? Like you're sitting here, but you're not really here. We often come into corporate worship feeling a sense of spiritual fog. During the rough and tumble of the week, the hard knocks of real life in the fallen world could disorient us to ultimate reality and what's truly important. We need to clear our head, recalibrate our spirit, and jumpstart our slow heart. I love that image. We need to jumpstart our slow heart. And he said that Martin Luther found corporate worship powerful in awakening his spiritual fire. This is what Luther says, at home, in my own house, there's no warmth or vigor in me. Isn't that so honest? Isn't that something you wouldn't expect Martin Luther to say? He said, When I'm at home by myself, I don't feel the warmth in my heart forgotten. I don't feel the energy, a heart of praise. When I'm at home by myself, I don't feel it. He says, In my own house, there's no warmth or vigor in me. But in the church, when the multitude is gathered together, a fire is kindled in my heart and it breaks its way through. Even Luther needed the church. I need the church because when I'm all by myself, I get into this fog and I start gravitating towards something else and I feel the magnetic pull to worship something else. But when I come back to church, into the gathered assembly, sing with me, how great is our God, our hearts are reset and we get ourselves back again. Worship restored in our heart, seeing again the worth and magnitude of God. That's why we're here today. That's why we want to reclaim worship. Because you will lose yourself if you lose your heart of worship. But when you get a heart of worship back, you get yourself back again. And you say, oh yeah, I am God's. I am the sheep of his pasture. I just want to close with this. I just want to share one thing that we really get back Uh, when we rediscover worship one of the things we get back is the joy of our salvation the joy of being saved the the joy that you lack and we're looking for in a lot of different places this is what we get back when we regain our heart of worship this is one thing that i want to show you in psalm 100 verse 1 it says make a joyful noise to the lord all the earth One of the things that we do get back is joy, but only when we remember the joy of our salvation. When we experience this, we begin to understand, oh, that's what it means when David said, ah, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. That's what it is. When the Israelites crossed over the Jordan, uh, God told Joshua to tell his people to put together 12 stones. And these 12 big stones are going to be a memorial that we're going to tell everybody about what God did. Now, interestingly, he said, when you do that, your kids are going to ask you about it. He says, Your kids will ask you about those rocks, I promise. And the more I think about this story, uh, my daughter Mia, she's um, studying this story in her um, Sunday school. And the more I think about it, it's actually the kids, they benefit from it, but I think it's the adults. They'd really gain from this. Because this is what would happen. You'd be walking your uh, kid to school, and your kid would say, "Um, Mom, what are those things? What are those rocks? Why did you guys make that? What is that all about? And the mom would say, Oh, that? I never told you about that? Well, uh, Joshua told us, well, God told Joshua to tell us, and, and we made this because it was going to be a reminder to all of us of what God did. I said, well, what did God do? I said, oh, my gosh, I never told you about this. We were, we were slaves. I can't believe I never told you about this. We were slaves in Egypt. We had no future. We had no hope. We had no direction. We had no autonomy. We were suffering every day. We used to be slaves. You would have been a slave too, you know. We used to be slaves, honey, in Egypt. And then God, because of his grace and his mercy he delivered us uh, out of the Red Sea and he he pulled the waters apart and we walked through and he delivered us through the Red Sea and then we crossed the Jordan and he saved us out of his mercy and his grace and now we are his, we are his people and that's why we worship him. The kid would, and your daughter would say, oh, okay, makes sense. And the kid would learn But the adult would be reliving the experience. Their heart would be full of reminders of grace and salvation. And a heart of worship would well up in that mother's soul. Why do we come on Sundays and do this? You know, this, my brothers and sisters, should be for us the memorial of God's salvation every time we meet when we gather and you make preparations to come here every day, this should be a memorial to who God is in your life and your kids should one day ask you, Mom, why can't we go to soccer on Sundays? Why can't we just sleep in on Sundays? Why do we do this all the time? Why do we have to go here? And you'll say, honey, we go because we were lost, you know. We were slaves, we had no hope, we were dead, you know. We had no recourse to be saved from, from who we were and our sin and death, but you know what happened? Jesus Christ saved us on the cross. Jesus Christ brought us out of sin, death, and misery, and he gave us the opportunity to have eternal life. So get in the car. That's why we go to church. That's why mommy and daddy, we worship him. Because he's worthy of our praise. My brothers and sisters, when we regain our heart of worship, if we regain who we are, and we regain his, our joy in the Lord again, don't you see who we are as the church? I pray that today the Lord restore unto you the joy of your salvation. You see again, he's worthy and you respond proskuneo before your God and Savior. Let's go to him in prayer. I would just ask you to use this time, this short time that we have right now um, to go to the Lord and to reclaim your heart of worship. Maybe you lost it during the pandemic. I understand. I did the The worship at home thing too and it was hard but my brothers and sisters the lord is looking for worshipers again now jesus goes to talk to the samaritan woman at the well and for some reason they end up talking about worship and the woman says to jesus well one day one day when messiah comes we'll worship in spirit and truth we'll worship again but one day. And Jesus says to her, Woman, I who speak to you am He. I'm right here and I tell you today the Father is looking for worshipers who will worship right now in spirit and in truth. You might have said one day when COVID-19 is over, one day I'm sure we'll regain my heart of worship we'll all come back and we'll praise God one day but right now Jesus says to you brothers and sisters I who speak to you am he and I'm telling you now that the Father is looking for true worshipers in spirit and truth who will see his worth and proskuneo before him and to come back to understand who you are again go to God and go reclaim your heart of worship. Let's pray. together. Father, we want to confess to you as a church that in this pandemic, we have lost sight of your worth. How great you are. And it's been a while for some of us since we have truly in our heart bowed our hearts before you. The expression and The heart of worship that you have called us to, we've lost it, but I pray that today you would help us to see again how great is our God. Help us to see your splendor, your majesty. Help us to see your worth. And I pray that your church would once again proskuneo before you. And that as we do that, that we get ourselves back again. That the joy of our salvation returns again. And that we experience the joy that we've been looking for. Restore unto us the joy of our salvation, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all respond with this song of worship.